another one begins that always causes me to think about where I am and where I'm going, you know, where I've been and where I want to go, and what's going on in my life at present and you know, what's going to happen in the future. It causes me to think of all these things. And so I've been thinking a lot about that this week, and um, I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, the Apostle Paul talks to us about time. And really what's happening is one year closes and another one begins. It's time is passing by. And he tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 something very important that we all need to see. Ephesians 5 verse number 16. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Paul says by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus and to the church at Mount Zion this morning that it's important that we redeem the time. Now, what does it mean to redeem time? Well, in this context, the word redeem actually means to buy up. Now, you say, Russell, how in the world do you buy up time? Really what I think the Apostle Paul is talking about is we've got to get a hold of as much time as we have, as much time as we can grab, and then use it wisely. Can you say amen? Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. A few weeks ago, me and a dear brother in Christ, we went fishing up on the Tennessee River. And, um, and I, we got out there on the water that morning and just getting started. And he said, I've got some new spinnerbaits that everybody is saying they are just, man, they're killing it up here with these spinnerbaits and, and catching all kind of fish. I'm fixing to put one on. Do you want one? And I said, sure, I'll take one. And so he, he throws me the bag back. And it's a, a sh like a Walmart shopping bag just completely full uh, of spinnerbaits. And, uh, and I looked in there, and, I, and they were all pretty much the same color, pretty much the same shape. Um, the blades on the baits were the same. And I said, man, you must really like these spinnerbaits. He said, well, everybody says that they are really catching fish on. He said, man, while I was there and they had them in stock, I bought up everything they had. Now, for those of you who like to fish, for those of you who are fishermen, you know that if the word gets out on a bait that's working, that bait ain't going to stay there long. <laughs> Everybody's going to buy it up. So what he did, what that brother did was redeem some spinnerbaits. He bought up all he had, all they had, all he could get a hold of just so um, he could use them wisely. And we did that day and caught a lot of fish, had a good time. But that's really what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus and what God, the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning that we must realize the importance of redeeming the time, getting a hold of all we can, using it wisely for God's honor and His glory. What I want to do today is first pray for you, and then we're going to look at what it means more in depth of redeeming the time. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. You are so good to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for mercy and grace and being our living hope. There is nothing hopeful in something or someone dead. Lord, you are alive. You are our living hope and you are good. Thank you for that. Lord, if the work's going to get done this morning, you've got to do it. So I'm asking that you would speak to me, speak through me, fill me up, Holy Spirit, and pour me out into the lives of your people. In Jesus' mighty name and for your sake we pray, amen. 
I want to make three statements concerning time that I'm sure you've heard many times before. These are not original with me, but they're certainly true. How many of you have ever heard that time flies? I think all of us have probably heard that, and I found it to be true. Years ago, when I first went to work with the highway department, I met a man by the name of Bill Ginn. I don't know if any of you ever knew Bill. Um, he's now passed on. He passed away about five, six years ago now. But he, Bill was a great guy, man, just a, a fun guy to be around. He was a very hard worker. He was a man who respected others, and you don't find that much today. A Korean War veteran, just a man's man, and they don't make them like Bill anymore. Just a really good man that, that I enjoyed getting to know. But uh, oh, Bill, the first day I worked with him, I'll never forget it, he had drove a truck about 35 years prior to coming to work with us. And so if there's two things that he loved in his life, it was a good pot of coffee and a big truck. And so he always, every day, had his uh, Stanley thermos with, with, with uh, full of coffee, and at 9 o'clock every morning, just like clockwork, he would stop everything, whatever we were doing, he'd pour him a cup of coffee, and he'd pull some peanut butter crackers out of his lunchbox, or what my grandpa used to call a pack of nabs, and he would eat those peanut butter crackers, and he'd drink his coffee. And I've told him many times, man, I wish I had a dollar for every cup of coffee you've poured out of that thermos, because I know... Um, he had poured a lot. It was every day he did that. Throughout the day, he loved his coffee. So he's sitting there with his coffee in one hand, his peanut butter crackers in the other. And he looked at me and he said, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm 21 years old. And he said, uh, sat there for a minute, kept drinking his coffee, eating his crackers. And he, he said, I want to tell you something and I want you to remember it. He said, it's going to fly by. And I said, well, what do you mean it's going to fly by? He said, well, I remember when I was 21 years old. And at that time when he was telling me this, he was probably in his early to mid-60s. And he said, what's going to happen? You're going to think about two foggy mornings have passed, and you're going to wake up and be just as old as I am. Now, when he told me that, I was 21 years old. This past December 23rd, I celebrated my 45th birthday. So that was 24 years ago when he said that to me. You know what I've come to, I've come to find out? Bill was absolutely right. It seems just like two foggy mornings have passed and now here I am, 45 years old, with a grown 20-year-old daughter, a 16-year-old son, just about to be 17, and I had a daughter this last Friday night, Friday, who turned 13. And I think, man, how in the world did I get to where I am? Because it seems just like that it's all passed by. It's amazing. Time certainly does fly. If you believe it, say amen. Now, the only thing Bill didn't tell me is it seems as though the older you get, the faster it flies. It don't slow down. It speeds up. How many of you ever heard this one? Not only that time flies, but time is a thief. You ever heard that? It is. That's absolutely the truth. Let me give you a verse of scripture that makes that extremely plain. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, brothers, verse number 1, and we'll read most of verse number 2. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse number 1. It says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Verse 2 tells us a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, that which is planted. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Then he says a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a season, there is a time 
for all these things under the sun. But the truth is, that time is a thief. I mean, there is a time when we are born, but how many of you know, if the Lord don't come back and receive us unto himself through the rapture, time is certainly going to win out in all of our lives. It's going to steal our very mortality. <laughs> there's a time to be born, and there's going to come a time when we'll die. There's a time when we weep, and there's a time when we laugh. Our sorrow will end in time, or our laughing can end in time, but Time is certainly a thief. Let me give you some other things time steals. Time steals our youth. Can you say amen? And with that youth comes the vim and vigor that we once had in a lot of ways. Yesterday, I went and rode horses with my daughter for her birthday. And when I woke up this morning, it felt like the horse had been riding me. <laughs> that didn't used to be the case. I'm starting to have aches and pains I never, in places I never even knew existed. How many of you ever hurt yourself sleeping? The other day I woke up, man, got to work, my neck was all crooked up, and everybody's like, man, what'd you do? I said, I don't know, I just went to sleep. That's how I got up. Time steals our youth. I wasn't going to tell this, um, it kind of hurt my feelings, but I think it fits here, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it. Last week. I had went, me and my partner at work stopped by Hardy's for breakfast one morning, and we walked up to the cash register. He walked up before me, ordered his food, paid for it, and they started gabbing it from the back. He's standing there waiting on his while I'm ordering mine. I order my food. The lady turns to me and looks and says, do you want anything to drink? And I said, I'd like to have a coffee. She said, one senior coffee. broke my heart <laughs> I looked at her and for a moment it kind of again hurt my feelings made me a little bit mad but then I got to thinking with Bidenomics running rampant every little bit helps so <laughs> I said sure why not I'll take the senior coffee time steals our youth. Time steals opportunity. There is a window of opportunity for everything in our life. Some things we can only accomplish within that window. Only have a certain window of time to be a godly father that makes a positive difference in the lives of my children. I only have a certain window of time to be a husband that my wife needs me to be and God wants me to be. I only have a certain window of time to be a pastor that preaches truth for the honor and glory of God. Opportunity is lost as time progresses. Time steals opportunity. Matter of fact, I, I talk to people many times and, and I invite them to come to church. I share my faith with them, um, share the gospel of Christ with them. And, and I've heard people, had people tell me, I'll tell you what, preacher, that just ain't for me right now. And they say things like this. I'll tell you what, when I get ready, then I'm really going to get in there and I'm going to serve Jesus. And when the time is right for me and everything's like I need it to be, then I'm going to get in there and I'm going to be really a worker for the Lord. You know what the book of James says? We don't know what tomorrow holds. 
We can't say we're going to go and do this or we're going to go and do that or we're going to go to this city or that city. We can't make those plans and know they're going to come to pass. Let me tell you why. Time is a thief. And it can steal from us our opportunity to do today, or excuse me, to do what we need to do today. And I think it was Benjamin Franklin who once said that we should never put off to tomorrow what can be done today. Let me tell you something. Today is the day of salvation. Can you say amen? Today is the day you make a fresh commitment to the Lord as a believer to be what God wants you to be. To allow Him to work on you, work in you, and work through you. To accomplish His good will and purpose. Because the window of opportunity is closing. Time flies. Time is a thief. Time is ticking. Can you say amen? <laughs> That's the third statement I want to make concerning time. And my grandmother, when I was a little boy, I used to have to get on the bus at her house. So a lot of times I would spend the night with my grandma and, and, and leave from her house in the morning when it came time for school. And I can remember many times her coming into the bedroom, flipping on the light, Hey, get up, it's time for school, me not want to get up. And she would come in there every, every little bit. She'd say, get up, man, we got to get ready, got to have breakfast, got to get your bath, all this kind of stuff. And she'd say, that clock never stops. And what she was saying was, you've got an appointment you're, you need to keep, but that clock is not stopping for you. You've got to get up, you've got to get moving, you've got to take advantage of the time you have. Because the clock is ticking. And it is ticking, tick. <laughs> Tick, 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 tick. Do you know right now you are five seconds older than you were five seconds ago? Do you know this? You are five seconds closer to eternity now than you were five seconds ago. Time is ticking and it does not stop. And so the Apostle Paul says... What we must do, what we need to do is redeem the time. Get a hold of all the time you've got, all the time you've been blessed with, and use it effectively. Use it wisely. He said, Russell, how are we going to do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because he actually gives us the answer starting in verse number 14, continues into verse number 15, and then he tells us, Redeeming the time. So what he's saying in, in the present tense is this is how you redeem the time. Let's look back to verse number 14 there in Ephesians chapter number 5. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepeth. So the first thing he tells us is if we're going to redeem the time, what we must do is wake up if we're asleep. Billy Graham said something years ago that has always stuck with me. He said that a sleeping church cannot and will not be able to help a dying world. And he's exactly right. I think a lot of times we have people that are on the church pew that are either figuratively asleep or literally asleep. Sometimes that happens too, but I'm just trying to say that folks, listen to me. We need to wake up and realize we have been saved for purpose. Well, I'm thankful that each and every one of you are here this morning. Praise God for that. I'm thankful that you made the decision to bring your families to worship, honor, and glorify the Lord Jesus. 
There's nothing that excites me more than when I see a mother and a father with a Bible in hand bringing their families to church, and I want to thank you for doing that. Praise God for that. Now listen to me though, God, but, but even though I'm thankful for it, and that's what we should be doing, and that's what God has commanded us to do, and that's how you can realize God's goodness in your life, that's how you can serve the Lord and worship the Lord, all of that's good, but let me say something to you this morning, how many of you know we've not just been saved to come to church, we've been saved to be the church, to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Christ that make a difference in the world that we live in. I love coming in here talking about Jesus. I love coming in here praying about Jesus. I love coming in here worshiping about Jesus. I'd rather preach than eat when I was hungry. I love preaching and teaching about Jesus. All of that is true. Oh, but listen to me, folks. If what we do out there does not, excuse me, if what we do in here does not change how we live out there, the difference we make out there then is what we're doing in here is it really making a difference. We don't just come to church to fulfill an obligation. We are the church because of our salvation. We've been born again into God's family. We've been given God's power by the person of the Holy Spirit. And God expects us to go out into this world being ambassadors for Christ. Being the hands and feet of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? How are we going to do that? We're going to speak the love of Jesus. But you'll never have a platform to speak about the love of Jesus until you show the love of Jesus. Can you say amen? They got to see it in your life if they're going to listen from your lips. How does that happen? That happens when you take advantage of the opportunities daily that God gives, those divine appointments to speak life, to speak encouragement, to help those that are in need, whatever it might be. And so what I, what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to ask you to do, church, listen to me now. Pray that God would open doors for you to be the hands and feet of Christ daily. Lord, put someone in my path that I can encourage. Put someone in my path that I can edify. Lord, please put someone in my path that I can evangelize, that I can share my faith with. And I'm going to tell you something now. Get ready. When you start praying prayers like there, that God will answer those prayers. He will use you to impact the lives of others. And that is such a blessing. Praise God that God sees fit to use people like me. Can you say amen? And people like you. Pray for those opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities. It's time for the church to wake up. Heard a story one time about a local Baptist church where they were having service. And right in the middle of the service, a lady dropped dead. Massive heart attack. Slumped down in the pew. Everybody knew something bad had happened. So they called 911. The ambulance came. The only problem was they took out five before they found the one that was dead. It's time we wake up. A sleeping church cannot and will not meet the needs of a dying world. Those who are asleep need to wake up. Then he says this. Watch the next part. 
those that awake those that sleep us. And then he says, arise from the dead, those that are in the grave. So he's telling those that are asleep to wake up, and he's telling those that are dead to be resurrected. Now what's he speaking about? Those who are dead in trespasses and sins can't wake up because they're dead. I, I, I say this all the time when I, when I preach revivals. How many of you know revival, even though I hope and pray that every time we have a revival service, every time a revival service takes place wherever it is, I hope and pray that lost people come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how many of you know revival cannot happen for the lost? The lost can't be revived. The lost have to be resurrected. It's the church that needs revival. It's the church that needs waking up. It's the dead in sin that needs resurrection. And so what Paul is speaking about here to the church at Ephesus, he says there's some in the church who are born again believers that are asleep and there's some in the church that are lost and undone, dead in trespasses and sins that need to be resurrected. But whatever the case is, the Bible makes it plain right there in verse number 14. All of that can be fixed when Christ gives you light. That's what I pray for. That Jesus, by His power, Jesus, in His light, would shine in, his, in the darkness and give us exactly what we need in every heart, in every life. Can you say amen? Jesus will give you light. Some of you here this morning, you are a child of God, but you feel as though you're in that rut. <laughs> Brother Don Wilson used to say, excuse me, all in the world a rut is is a grave with the ends kicked out of it. And he's right. We don't need to stay in the rut. We don't need to stay slumbering in our seats, we need to be woke up. Jesus is able to do that for me and for you. Listen, for those who are lost, and if you're here this morning and you've not yet met Jesus, let me tell you, he's still in the saving business. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him. So Paul is telling us those who are asleep need to wake up. Those who are dead need to be resurrected. And then he says this, those who are walking foolishly need to wise up. Look at the next verse, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We have to walk in wisdom. We have to walk in wisdom inside the church and we have to walk in wisdom outside the church. And I'm thankful that the Bible teaches all those who lack wisdom, all we got to do is ask for it. Go to James chapter 1 for me, brothers. James chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1. Watch what the Bible says there. I love this. James 1, verse number 1. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Look at verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations or trials. He goes on to say in the third verse, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then he tells us, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse five. 
And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. Everybody say all men. That means God can and will give me wisdom and God can and will give you wisdom if we ask for it. If we're lacking wisdom. Now wisdom is the ability to make God-honoring decisions and choices with the decisions and choices that we make day by day. And if we're lacking that, we know we're lacking that in certain areas. We know that we need wisdom to know how to deal with certain situations. The good news is God is listening. And God has promised, if you need wisdom, I'm ready to give it to you. But first of all, you've got to humble yourself and realize you need it. And when you humble yourself and realize you need it, God says, then you just ask me and I'll give it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that he giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Matter of fact, God says, I won't just give you a little bit of wisdom. I'll give you abundant wisdom. I'll give you more than enough, more than you need. And I won't hold back. I won't upbraid. Upbraid is the is what a bridle is what's used on a horse. And if you upbraid a horse, guess what that means? You pull back on those reins and and you cause him to stop. And God says, "Upbraideth not. I, I'm not gonna uh, keep it from coming. I'm gonna allow all the wisdom that is necessary in your life to flow from me." When you ask for it. Now fathers let me ask you something. Don't we need wisdom to parent our children? Husbands don't we need wisdom. To be the spiritual head of our household. Employees don't we need wisdom. To be the best employees we can be. Employers don't we need wisdom. To lead in our workplace. Don't we need wisdom to make decisions that God would be pleased with. And what's best for us and our family and others. Don't we need wisdom. If you, would, if you believe we do say amen this morning. I'm glad you think so. Because God says I'll give it if you'll ask me. 2024 if there's one thing I want to do. I want to walk in the wisdom of God. I want to make God honoring decisions and choices. In every situation in my life, in every circumstance, whatever I'm dealing with, and God says, I'm ready to give it. Isn't that good? God is good and he's gracious. He's not hiding from you. And he says, I'm listening for you to ask, and I'll give you what you need. Those who are asleep need to wake up. Those who are dead need to be resurrected. And those who are walking foolishly need to wise up. That's what redeeming the time is all about. That way we can make the most of the life we live. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for 2024. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in my life. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in my family. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in our church. I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for what God is doing. But I'm looking forward in faith to what God is going to do. And we all need to be doing that same thing. Listen, I can't wait to see what the new year brings. But the new year will be gone before you know it. Can you say amen? Truly will. There are 52 weeks in 2024, 365 days in 2024, 8,760 hours in 2024, 525,948 minutes in 2024, and 31,536,000 seconds in 2024, and it's ticking by right now. What are we going to do to redeem the time? 
take advantage of every second, every minute, every hour, every day. Let me give you three things, very practical things that will help you redeem the time. Number one, and these go in order, faith. Faith. Your faith in 2024 needs to be your top priority. Now, what do I mean when I say faith? What am I talking about when I say faith? Well, I'm talking about, first of all, by trusting, trusting by faith in the person of Jesus. That's where this all begins. And if you have not done that, that's the first step. That's what we all must do. Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 26. Brothers, if you will, please go to Matthew chapter 26 with me and look there. At verse number 16. Matthew 26. I gave you the wrong verse. I apologize. Somebody look up for me real quick. Jesus said this. What doeth it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? What doeth it profit a man to gain the whole world? Matthew 16, 26. To gain everything this world has to offer. Now let me tell you what I want for you in 2024. I, I want you to be successful. Anyone else I believe? I believe God wants you to be successful. And the good news is you've been blessed so much. God has allowed you to be born in America. The land of opportunity. And you can be successful. You can go out and grab the opportunity that's available for you. If you're willing to work for it. So praise God. Let's go out and get it. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. And I want you to have... All that you need and then some. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting better for you and yours and others. Nothing wrong at all. But if you go out this year and you make all your dreams come through financially, you go out this year and you make all your dreams come through with your business, you make all your dreams come through uh, with your career, you make all your dreams come true as far as the things, secular things of the world go. If you do all of that and gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, what does it matter? What does it matter? Me and Brother Steve last night at his home, we were talking about a, a, a man who was very successful as far as the secular things of the world goes. He was, he was a man of power. He, he was a man of uh, education. The, this, this man was extremely intelligent. He, he was a man uh, who had climbed the, 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 uh, the social ladder, the, the rungs of the social ladder, and got to where he was by his own hard work, ingenuity, uh, and intelligence. This man was, he was just a, a pretty, pretty cool guy. I mean, he really was. 
And we were talking about all the things he accomplished in his life. But when he passed away, his own son wouldn't even come to his funeral. To my knowledge, the man had never professed faith in Christ. As a matter of fact, I have heard that the man was atheistic in his viewpoint. He had rejected God. He would rejected the truth of the word of God. And even though he had gained everything this world had to offer, had all the money he could ever spend, beautiful home, beautiful, beautiful car, everything you could think of that would say, okay, this guy's got it going on, he still died. His soul was required of him. And like I said, his own son wouldn't even come to his funeral. What does it matter if you gain all that stuff and lose your soul? First and foremost, when I'm talking about faith as our first priority, it's making sure you've put your trust in Jesus as Savior. I'm talking about faith in the person of Christ, but I'm also talking about walking by faith as a believer in the power of Christ. The scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Had a mama tell me this morning that was riding with her children to church. She said that a lot of times what she has to do is just cover her eyes and hope she gets here. <laughs> she wasn't walking by faith. She was riding by faith. Amen. Not by sight. And sometimes we don't know what's going to happen up in front of us, but we're trusting as people of God, as children of God, that God's going to be for us and not against us. Can you say amen? Now why do we trust in that? Well, we trust in that simply because the Bible says it. If God be for us, who can be against us? The scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Not peril or distress or angels or demons or things in the earth or things under the earth. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Jesus. He's for me, not against me. Nothing can separate me from him. Hebrews 13, 5 says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm taking these promises. I'm walking by faith. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what 2024 holds. But I know you hold 2024. God, I know. I've trusted in you. And I know what you've promised. And I'm claiming your promises. That's what we all got to do because we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? We walk by faith and not by sight, knowing God is able. Number one, faith. Number two, family. Brothers, if you will, please put Ephesians chapter 5 and give me about verse number 18. Ephesians 5 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is also the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now go down to verse 33, Ephesians 5, 33. Watch this. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence or respect her husband. Does everybody see that? Now the Bible gives us clear instruction for the family and for marriage and how all of it's supposed to operate. And I can tell you this, God's word works when you work it. But if you don't work it, if you don't apply it, it won't work. I can sit in here and preach about it all day long. We can talk about it all day long. But if I don't make application to my life, to my marriage, to my family, and you don't make application to your life, your, your marriage, and your family, then it's never going to make any difference. And so what I'm encouraging you to do in this upcoming year, we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks, probably through the, the, the month of February. I'm going to begin next week on a series of messages entitled Focusing on the Family. And we're going, that's all we're going to do for a good while. So I want to encourage you to come be a part of that. Bring somebody with you. And we're going to find what God says about the family unit, about marriage, about parenting, about all the things that we all deal with. Because God has instruction for that. Some of it comes from from Ephesians chapter 5. This is some of my favorite, but listen, God is for the family. If you believe it, say amen. God is for marriage. God wants you to have a marriage that is a blessing, not a burden. And God is for godly mamas and daddies raising their children. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. Watch this. Ephesians 6, verse number 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God is for marriage. God is for husbands. God is for wives. God is for parents. And he gives us clear instruction on how to do all of it. So what we're going to do in 2024, we're going to take advantage of the truth God has given. We're going to apply it to our lives. And we're going to put family First, can you say amen? It's very, very important. Other than your faith in Christ and walking by faith as a believer, your family is more important than anything else. Faith, family. As a pastor, the Lord has given me the great privilege of sitting beside a lot of bedsides as people take their last breath or, or on their deathbed. I remember years ago, Brother Eddie Gunner had been struggling with cancer for about two years. The, the cancer had just riddled his body. And right before he died, about an hour before he died, I was in the room, me and my wife. He had three boys and a whole room full of grandkids. And all of them were lined up around this brother's bed. And while he could still write, he had lost the ability to speak, but he could write. 
And he was, he was taking a, a legal pad and a pen, and he was scratching down Scripture and notes for each one of his kids and grandkids. And I sat there that day, and I thought, praise the mighty name of Jesus. That's how I want to go out. I want to be surrounded by those who love me. And, uh, and in my last moments, with my last breath, with my last bit of strength, I want to make sure they're getting a hold of truth about how God loves them. And I want them to know how much I love them. And I want them to know Jesus is for them and not against them. Don't you? I had a lot of people say, I wish I would have spent more time with my wife, with my children. I've never heard anybody say, I wish I had a bigger house or a nicer car or more zeros in my bank account. Because when it comes time to die, none of those things matter. But let me tell you what will matter. Your faith in God in your family. Redeem the time. Tick, 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 tick. Everybody stand together. I want to tell you about your future. I don't have time, but I, that was my third point. Your future is in 2024 not in 2023 not in 2022 <laughs> not in 2021 your future is ahead of you not behind you you can do nothing about 2023 or nothing about 2022 or any other any other year that's in our past that's in the past for a reason all you can do now is look forward all you can do now is redeem the time now what I'm trying to say is the windshield is much bigger than the rear view. Now I'll glance in the rear view, but I never drive by the rear view. I like looking back to see where I've come from. That keeps me humble and helps me praise God and worship Him for who He is and what He's done. But what I'm looking forward to comes out the windshield. Brothers and sisters, you've got a future in this upcoming year. Do not allow your past to ruin it. Do not live in the past. Look forward to the future. And by faith, by faith, walk with the Lord. Amen? Your invitation is this. Some of you may need to be saved. If you do, today is the day. Some of you are saved and you need to discuss some things, talk some things over with the Lord. <laughs> I have to every day. The Bible says that even as believers, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you need to get some things right in your life. Unconfessed sin will rob the joy of the Lord from you, child of God. It will hinder what God wants to do in your life. 
So if you need to get along with Jesus, if you need to do business with him, these altars are always open. Some of you may just need to pray for loved ones that are struggling right now. Some of you may just want to come and pray that God would bring his blessing, grace, and favor upon you and your family in this upcoming year. Looking forward in faith to what God's going to do. Whatever you need today, this time of invitation is for you. Don't wait.